Welcome to the show. In this one, I have a conversation with professional snowboarder Louis Vito. Louis grew up in Ohio, where winter is short and there wasn't much of a snowboard scene. So if he wanted to pursue snowboarding at a professional level, he had to travel. At that point, his dad was his mentor and his coach. He would bring Louis to events, competitions, and snowboard camp. Louis eventually enrolled in Stratton Mountain School, a boarding school in Vermont that specializes in training winter sports athletes. There, he was around like-minded peers, all focused on the same goal. Today, Louis is a top-tier competition rider who has expanded his professional repertoire with charities and a televised dance competition. Here's where I give the company men a shout-out. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, and Aquila Space. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you. If you subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. Your money helps keep these conversations going. So if you enjoy these conversations, you can subscribe at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. Okay, back to Louis Vito. To ensure a stable of future professional riders, snowboard companies promote amateur riders who show the most promise. That support helps boost their exposure and helps solidify their place in the industry. Louis says he never had that support as an amateur, so he had to find his own way in. He did that by proving himself, competition after competition, forcing his name into the conversation. Looking back on it now, he's happy it turned out that way. He's glad he was brought up to persevere. He remembers something his dad would tell him in those moments of frustration. He said, if you're good enough, then they can't ignore you. So here he is, Louis Vito. (laughs) This red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work. I say it 100%. Like, you want to do this? 100% I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah, if I'm in, like, I'm just want to let you know that it's not 80%. It's 100%. <laughs> um, dude, I was talking about you the other day. Um, there's a girl that works at Snowbird that's from Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, this girl named Kelsey. And um, this was the weirdest thing. Long story I, this is before we start. Uh I go riding the other day and I see this dude and it looks just like, what's his, Ryan Sturgeon, right? That's his, or the Sturgis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sturgeon, yeah. Sturgeon, okay. And I'm like staring at this dude in the tram. I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude looks crazy like that guy. I haven't seen him since I was like fucking 12, but I'm yeah. like, well, anyway, that's so weird. And like, whatever, I go about my day. Then maybe like a week or two later, I go do this shoot for Snowbird and there's this new girl in the marketing department named Kelsey. And I don't know her super well. Like she did one other shoot I was at or something where I met her, but that was it. And we were talking when we were waiting to shoot something. And 
she said something about being from Alaska. And obviously I brought up you and borderline and whatever, whatever. And she like knew you guys really well. I think she used to work at the shop at one point. And I said something about, Oh, like Ryan Sturgeon. She said, Oh yeah. He and his girl or his girlfriend or wife or somebody were just here. And I was like, no fucking way. Because I just was thinking to myself, that guy looks just like this dude. I used to know. She's like, yeah, it was probably was him. They might move. They might move to Utah or something like that. And I was just like, what the hell? But I don't know her last name, though, but she's from Alaska. She knows your whole family, like brothers, dad, a whole nine. And she was the one that why, like, Sturgeon and his wife or girlfriend or whoever came to Snowbird. And I was, like, fucking tripping out. I was like, that was him. I fucking knew it. That's crazy, dude. So it's all serendipitous that I even, like, that we're even having this conversation. All the Alaskans are, like, surrounding you. I know. Well, anytime, I mean... Between you and Sam, you're like the only, I guess, Jason Bordstead too. But like, other than that, like, I don't, like, if I think of Alaska, it's like you pop up first. Then I have to remember that Sammy's not from Truckee originally and he's from Alaska. Mm-hmm. But it's always like instantly like borderline camp. And then Sandy Spitzer, once I think of borderline camp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is every once in a while, uh, I mean, it happens often enough on the podcast where I'll hit somebody up, you know, from, like my childhood, or I'll reconnect because I want to talk to him on the podcast. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, dude, I've, I've been thinking about you. or I've been thinking about like maybe situations that I was a part of. And it's like the universe is trying to get you back together or something like that. Yeah, it's trippy, dude. And like I said, like that was just like, oh, yeah, shit, that's fucking wild. And then obviously with Facebook too, every, like with the weird algorithm, every time – something random will come up and you're like, Oh fuck, I forgot about that person. Mm-hmm. Or what is that? Per-? And then you go to, I just go down so deep in the rabbit hole. Like, Oh, what is this all about? But anyways, yeah. So, uh, that was just my, my trippy story. The other thing that's trippy too, is I just bought, cause I wanted to start my dude. My dad's been ahead of the time, his time for me on stuff where at the time I'm like, that's dumb. Like I remember him telling Kinger about like, going to the gym, getting a personal trainer before like 98 Olympics. And it was just like, and this is uh Rob Kingwell, right? Yeah, and it was, like, so crazy. Like, that's so dumb. Like, we don't do that shit. And then we, like, fast forward, like, my dad's like, oh, Louie, there's this new thing called podcasting. You should really get into it, da 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 I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. And now I'm like, well, shit, I'm blowing that one. But I just bought uh the Zoom H6 or whatever to because I want to start one about, like, mostly just, like, for athlete, more like athletic, like into the mind of an athlete kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I just bought that setup. I haven't even used it yet. And that's how I have the mic is because my dad had some from the radio station. He gave me two of them a couple weeks ago, but uh, I just had to buy the XLR cables, but it has a, a plug. That's what I was going to try. It has a plug that could probably go into my computer, but I just have never used it outside of testing it on my little podcast recording thing. So this is like, I'm learning a lot just by this freaking website that you got right here. This thing is sick. And I can help you out with this stuff if if you have any questions because I also have an H6. I appreciate that. Well, let's get into it, man. I don't want to waste your time. So Yeah, let's get into it. So how's it going? It's going pretty well, man. I'm actually stoked. I'm in Utah right now and it's, it's thinking it's spring, so it's been pretty warm and slushy, but uh, I think it's going to be a teaser. I think we got some snow coming next week, so it's it's good for right now. So I think the last time we actually saw each other was at Wendell's snowboard camp in like 2002 or 2003. I think so. It's been a long, long time. It's crazy because we all spent so much time together at Wendell's. And then 
going from that to like never seeing each other is in retrospect kind of weird. Well, I mean, it's like it wasn't just summer camp because we used to go for so long. Like we were fortunate enough to not just be like one week and we happened to time in. It'd be like every three summers, maybe we'd had the, you know, the right timing. It was like, you know, multiple summers in a row all summer you were dialed in there. I was dialed in there. So it was like, we were kind of on our own program in that sense. Like we didn't necessarily have to, you know, be with the counselor watching us every second, but we were really like there for a long time and able to do stuff that, you know, like whether it's go to dinner, that's not part of the camp. And, and it was like a true kind of summer family vibe almost. Mm -hmm. Looking back on that time, how would you describe yourself? As a person? Yeah, as a kid, yeah. As a kid and as a person. Uh, as a kid, I was definitely high energy. Um, it was de it was weird because I'm not, not, I'm just going to use you as the example. Like I came from Ohio where like we had somewhat of a skate scene, not much of a snowboard scene. But then I was hanging out with, you know, someone like yourself who grew up in a major like mecca of snowboarding just from what your family created with, you know, your own summer camps, having the shop, obviously growing up in Alaska is a lot different than growing up in Ohio. So I was, I was naive in a sense, but for me, like everything was, was pretty new and like exciting. So I, I would definitely say I was probably on the more dorkier side of things just because it was like, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I learned from the people around me, but I was definitely a lot of high energy, very talkative, very loud, um, and I don't, I would say I was probably more acted more my age than you acted of your age. Well, the reason I asked that is because as I was writing these questions down, I was thinking about you as a kid. And the first thing that came to mind was your dedication and the fact that you were always very focused on snowboarding, at least from my perspective, it, uh, it seemed like that you rarely let other things get in the way of that. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think there's like multiple reasons for that. Like from obviously our seasons are super short in Ohio. And I started snowboarding, having no idea like much about snowboarding. Like I knew from maybe I was at a book fair in Ohio and they had a sports illustrated for kids that had like a full thing of snowboarding, anything that had snowboarding involved, my parents pretty much bought me. And then I kind of learned from that. And then obviously as I got more into it, you know, going, I went to all our USASA contests were in Cleveland and I met, you know, older kids um, who were, you know, more snowboarder ish than what I knew because we, you know, where I grew up, it was like, I was, you know, the main skater kid. There wasn't like a huge skate scene in my town. Um, and so like when I started going to snowboard camp, we went like the last, my dad and I went together last week of August or the last session they had in August, but we were like first ones there, last ones to leave, um, rain or shine. We never missed a day just because luckily then it wasn't as expensive as it is now, but it was like, we're getting everything out of it. We're snowboarding in the summertime. We haven't snowboarded since the beginning of March or like one time at nationals, which was probably also two months after our mountain closed. And so we were just mm -hmm. so into it. And then sort of too, it was like, a you do well in school, you're a good kid, you know, you can keep snowboarding. And I just love to snowboard so much. And obviously being on a glacier and snowboarding in the summertime, riding these jumps and all this stuff with kids that all snowboard, it was like, I was literally in heaven. And then 
the more, you know, then I get, I've always been competitive and always kind of had that in every sport I did, but the more, you know, Oh, I learned a new trick. And then you kind of get addicted. I want to learn another one. And then, you know, before you know it, you're like really pushing yourself, but then you kind of get humbled at nationals. I'd be like middle of the pack. I was losing to, you know, Sammy Lepke and Adam Dyroff every year. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to snowboard. And it's like the only time I get to ride a half pipe, pretty much like a real half pipe outside of nationals. And you just get so excited. Cause I remember the first time I went to Wendell's, I'd never ridden a half pipe. And I was, and it's funny cause Blotto was my first coach. Who's like now an insane photographer, even outside of snowboarding. And my dad, I was hitting jumps. And my dad's like, you got to try this half pipe thing. This thing is sick. And it was just like, <laughs> whoa, you know, a kid in a candy store. You didn't know yeah, and yeah. being able to spend all summer there. You're kind of, I was, you know, I got to a point where I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was cocky, but like, you're kind of like the cool kid. You get the ride there all summer and you're snowboarding every day. It was like, for me, I was like, this is, I'm like, can't think of life getting any better than this. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever it gets brought up or whenever it's relevant, or basically whenever I get the opportunity to bring it up, I always bring up summer camp, either borderline camp or Wendell's. Uh, I've told my wife that when we have kids, I want them to go to a summer camp because I want them to have the same experiences as I did. I wonder if you have a similar relationship with summer camps where it holds a special place in your heart. Yeah, for me, I mean, I can't like I obviously I went with my dad first, but I was really I was only like I may eight, nine years old when I got to go. And I lucked out because my dad loved snowboarding and had a passion before I knew what that was. So I was like, sweet, let's go. And it was like a reward for not screwing up or anything like that. And I think that, you know, at first it's always hard for a kid, a young kid at least, like you're away from home. But it's like if you put them in a camp that's going to keep their interest and something like Wendell's, I mean – Think about Wendell's like you weren't in your room except to sleep. Mm -hmm. And even when you had to be in the cabins, you were with kids all your age. They all loved the snowboard or skateboard. And they all like were from different backgrounds, different places. And you learned so much, but you're with kids that like you would hang out with anyways. And so for me, I had high energy. I wanted to do stuff like what better place than to go to a camp where they keep you occupied all day. You're busy the entire time. You're with people from all over. And I thought it was great, not only for snowboarding, but just being around kids your age. And it's not like you're sitting at home or you even have time to get in trouble or you're, you know, just playing video games. It's just like you were out, like they have activities for you to do. Like then Wendell's was great because you don't skateboard. Well, they have a, they'll have people teaching you from six to eight or, um, you've never hit a foam pit. Well, we got trampolines and we got people to help you learn. And it's like, you're constantly learning and evolving as a person and, and anything else, you're just trying something new. I mean, I went to a bunch of different summer camps, like some were day camps when, you know, I'd like, well, I went to fishing camp. I didn't even know how to fish. Really. <laughs> I just thought it like, I like to fish. So I went to a YMCA one down the street and that's what I did for like a week straight during the day or a soccer camp. I went to, I went to Woodward, uh, East for gymnastics i used to do gymnastics yeah, and now yeah. it's funny because i snowboard at woodward now but it's like i did that and like that one i think was hard because i was pretty young and it was like one of my first times i actually went to space camp which was like my mom liked because it was educational but that too like i'm with kids from all over and i'm like i was pretty good in school but like i'm with some like brainiac kids mm -hmm. that maybe have no athletic ability but 
like they're really smart. So you kind of get like, whoa, like this is insane. But you just I think it's good being around different kids and to be doing it on a glacier and like action sports heaven, where for me it was like I'm with freaking a hundred kids that all love the snowboard and skateboard. When I'm home, I have one friend who I skate with and winter's like so short. So I have, I get to enjoy that for such a short time, but I love it. I mean, you, it's like nowadays too, probably how you were growing up. Like you would have friends you would go out with after school and you would go play until you had to be home for dinner. Now it's like, I live in a neighborhood and I look outside and I like rarely see kids playing outside. And I'm like, the weather is 60 degrees right now in March. Like, why is there no kids outside like running around playing tag? I mean, there is you don't see it at all, but I think it's I'm I'm a big big fan of of camps and but I'm a bigger fan of snowboard camp if you like to snowboard. Yeah, yeah. I wonder do you have any theories about why that is that kids aren't spending time outside anymore? Um, I think it's just, I mean, I get caught up on my phone anyways, but I just think you can do so much stuff on your phone, whether it's going to the store, if it's, um, playing a game, talking to your friends, you can just text them. Like you don't have to memorize their home number and call them at home and see if they're there. Um, I don't know. I don't want to go as drastic as be like, Oh, it's a different day and age outside you these days. And you got to be careful. I don't, I don't think it's that. I just think it's everything. So all evolves around technology and you're so used to doing everything on technology and you can, instead of seeing your friend and catching up about what happened at school that day, you can just FaceTime them or you can just text them or do whatever. It's just, everything's revolves around uh, technology and your phone is mostly what I think it is. Yeah. I think that there's definitely a lot more competition for distractions nowadays. Yeah. I mean, like I used to, I mean, on the weekends, it would be like you have sleepovers at your friend's house and you just stayed up all night and running around and playing flashlight tag and kick the can and all this stuff. And now it's like, you don't, nobody does that. It's like, it's like almost like weird. I feel like if you tell somebody you used to do that, they're like, oh, that's weird. You're like, what, what else do you guys do? Like we, maybe you'd watch a movie, but that's because your parents wouldn't let you outside. Cause it's, you know, 11 o'clock at night and you're eight years old, but I don't know. It's I, I just I think it has to do with like phones and the internet really. Have you had a an old person moment with a like a teenager? Oh yeah, I do all the time. I'm like <laughs> sometimes I'm like I remember like it just people that like hang out in my yard because I live on a corner. I remember like one time like these kids was like had like a sleeping bag and they're like laying in my yard like this like a kid and girl and I'm like what do you like? First off, I don't know if you're hiding from your parents and you're like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, get out of my yard. You're just laying in my grass. Like, it's like not even like you're like, it's in between the houses or like they leave trash or they leave a shoe or something in my yard. I'm like, get this stuff out of my yard. Like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm like, whoa, I'm like that grumpy neighbor right now. (laughs) Get off my lawn. It's just like weird things like that. Or and I have like a fence on part of my yard and these kids, like it's not, I probably need to get a new fence anyways, but like kicking the ball and like, Hey, can you try not to hit my fence? And then like kick it again. I'm like, why do you gotta be such a little dick? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, wait, what? I'm yelling at like a 10 year old kid right now. <laughs> it's the universe telling you that you need to build a fence. I, a, a bigger one and a better one, but it's kind of nice too. On the other side, it's like, you know, it's, it's fun for me. Like I have some of the neighborhood kids used to like, play football 
in my side yard. And that was cool. Cause like, to me, it was like, I'm happy to see kids out there having fun and having a place to like do it in their neighborhood. Because I mean, I'm sure, you know, I drove my neighbors crazy when I was a little kid, but at the same time, you're just like stoked to see like kids outside hanging out and doing activities. Mm -hmm. You know, earlier you said that when you were younger, you probably seemed younger than someone like myself. What did you mean by that? Um, I just think that since you hung around like older kids, you, you've traveled more than I did. You know, you grew up in a snowboard skate shop in the sense that like, you know, siblings and family work there and, you know, hanging out with their friends. Like I hung out with my sister's friends a little bit, but she's three years older than me, but we didn't really, it wasn't like I was going snowboarding with them or skateboarding with them or, you know, having around in my, this is obviously not actually knowing facts, but I just think that you were around and having brothers too, where I feel like if you were annoying, they would tell you, or they would, you know, give you a little bit of a beating or anything like that. Like <laughs> my sister wasn't beating me up too much. Like she might like dig her nails into me, but she wasn't like beating me up or, you know, anything like that. I don't think it really happened until I went to boarding school in eighth grade where I had, you know, kids that I was living with in a dorm that were older that I would travel with for snowboarding where there was definitely the seniority hierarchy system where, you know, you do something, you're getting whitewashed. We'll duct tape you to a chair, like the stuff that, you know, kind of keeps you in your place and helps you grow up. Whereas I feel like you kind of had that because your family was so predominant in the scene that if you're out of line, you hurt your somebody in your family heard about it and they would tell you if you were annoying, they were going to tell you like, I just, that's the way I sensed it. And I mean, you, you traveled from Alaska to Oregon and it was like not a big deal. Whereas I coming from Ohio to Oregon, it was like, I just it was like blown away. That's holy cow. I'm on the other side of the country right now. This is, there's mountains here. There's a volcano. Like what the hell, where am I? What was that experience like when you went to boarding school? You said that, you know, you were kind of getting hazed. You were having experiences that were more like, uh, like brothers kind of beating up on you for the first time? Um, you know, I think you get a, like a, a little, it's like you kind of, it's hard at first, but like, I mean, I love going to boarding school. Like it was Stratton Mountain School to me was like some of the best years because I got to snowboard every day. We, we snowboarded in the morning, went to school in the afternoon. We had small classes. We got to travel. We had people like helping us. We rode like all these different mountains. It was so great. You know, it's funny. I I remember I kind of did some stuff like that. Like I had a pellet gun. I used to like shoot the younger kids with it. And one of the kids complained to like somebody that worked at the school. And, and I was like talking to my dad about it. And I'm like, man, Nate Farrell used to do this. And my dad's like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't think I knew that? Like it's part of life. Like it's part of growing up is how it is. And so I think you kind of get to the point where like you you learn the you learn the system like okay, like Mikey Williams, who's funny because he's a he's a, a coach now for some Australian kids. He's from Australia. And we like, I saw him the other day and we were talking about it. And it's like, you know, you learn like, okay, if I do this prank to Mikey as a kid that's three, four years younger than him and he finds out it's me, there's a good chance there's going to be a repercussion of some sort. So like either understand that and still proceed with you trying to prank him or maybe think twice about it and don't because you know that this is going to happen. And I mean, it ha I mean, they would do the same. It was like their pranks 
like they would duct tape each other and stuff. But like, obviously you're the younger kid. You're the little brother. It just happened to you more because they're bigger than you. They're older than you. And I mean, it carried on. Like when I was on the U S team, like you think I didn't get first pick of having a room. I might be sleeping on the couch or I might be sleeping on a pullout bed. But then when I got older, I was like, okay, I'm the older one. Now I've been on the team for so long. Like I get first choice of a room. I get this, you guys got to pay your dues. And it, it kind of teaches you a little bit about that, but also kind of keeps you in line because instead of having, you know, one older sibling, you know, you have four kids that are three years older than you on that you're traveling with and you do something stupid, you're going to pay the price. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't really get the opportunity for that experience to be able to travel with like a group of, of other people uh, around the same age to snowboard, to, to do this thing that they love. I mean, how would you, how would you describe that to somebody who's, who's not like used to it? Cause I understand it to a certain extent because I traveled like with my brothers. Right. Yeah. And it was a lot different than traveling with like, say a coach on board. Like if I, if I talk some shit, I was going to get beat up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, I think definitely the timing is different then than it is now, but like, I mean, you had the things, the times where you kind of had to be straight edge and sometimes where you could get away with some stuff. But again, it's kind of, you learn like, okay, this coach, um, he's doesn't care if you guys, you know, mess up the place. Okay. These coaches are like, you better be back by this time. Cause he's going to come and check on you. Um, but it was like mostly like little kid things, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to be partying. It was more like in the beginning, especially you're like, you know, staying up all day. It's like you learn though what works. Like, okay, I still have schoolwork to do. So you learn, you know, after failing, a, not failing a class, but like not doing it the first time, like, okay, I do need to make time to study. I need to do this homework, even though there's not a teacher there telling me to do it. And it's not your coach's responsibility to make sure you're doing your homework or, but it's like traveling with your best, it is traveling with your best friends mm -hmm. and you get to go to these cool places and, and do what you love with, you know, some parental supervision, but not as much as traveling with your mom and dad. You had a definitely a little bit more lean leeway. Like you were sharing rooms and maybe you guys have like a condo and the coaches might be in the condo next door and you're in your own condo. You can eat what you want. You can stay up as late as you want. It's kind of on you. So you learn real quick though, because if you start doing bad in school, then you're not going on the next trip. So, mm -hmm. and then I had to hear it from my parents and, my parents used to always say, like, my dad especially, you know, I can make you the best snowboarder in Ohio. Like, I'll pull you out of the school so fast because I'm putting, like, I, you know, I'm getting grants and help with the tuition. And if you're a bad kid, and that's the most important. So, like, I don't care. I'll make you, as long as you're a good kid, I'll pull you and you can just snowboard in Ohio. So it kind of kept you a little bit grounded, but at the same time, it's like little kid. Like, so he was kind of threatening you. Oh, yeah. I just made sure that I knew, like, okay, this is a very great opportunity. And this is something that's, you know, doesn't come without like responsibility. But I mean, as far as like, you know, we could eat candy every day. If we wanted, we could eat McDonald's every day. We could stay up all night. We could not do anything, but we're just stoked to be traveling and snowboarding. And, you know, you're just like in heaven on every trip. You know, honestly, I think that's a gift, Louie. The fact that you were able to recognize that, that this was a gift, you know, your dad kind of, kept you on solid ground uh, when 
you were in a position to kind of have a big head, you know, like, oh, I'm doing all this cool stuff. Look at all my friends back in Ohio stuck in school, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I always make that joke. I'm like, I just want if I have kids, I want to send them back to my parents. They can raise them through like <laughs> where you get the foundation started because it is amazing because you think about it, like you have the kids whose parents like are so lax and whatever, and the kids are wild. Then you have the parents that are like the pastor's kids and their kids are so wild. It's like really finding that happy medium where like my dad wouldn't ground me, but if he ever said he was like, I'm just the typical, like, I'm not mad. I'm just really disappointed. That was like the most crushing thing. Mm -hmm. So I had that with my parents where like, like if you really upset them and disappointed them because you were making bonehead moves that that was the worst thing, but they can also take this away because at the end of the day to them, snowboarding is great, but being a better person is more important to them but like how they did it was is is amazing and the fact that you know for me i i was very humbled because i came from ohio now i'm on the east coast okay then i went from the east coast then i was on the west coast i was so fortunate anything i got to snowboard on i was stoked um and i didn't want to ruin that opportunity and you know i made a deal with my mom like i took latin for schooling because you know school was important to her my mom would never homeschool me or never let me do anything online so school was important so as long as I did well in school then I got to snowboard but if my grades started slipping even if the school wasn't tripping yet my parents if they weren't happy with my grades and they're not gonna send me on a trip because they're you know they still got to pay for me to go on these trips and they cared more about you know me being a smart kid so when snowboarding was done I could actually do something with my life or being a good person so I'm not you know, going down the wrong path, but just, they just did such a great job that I understood that. And I definitely had fun. I definitely was a typical kid, but I understood too, that, you know, that was always hanging over my head that it's easy for them to stop, stop sending me to school and bring me back to Ohio and where they can have their eye on me 24 seven. You know, there are, there are a lot of snowboarders, a lot of professional snowboarders that will have a career and they'll burn out and or they'll get hooked on drugs or alcohol and they'll just completely burn out right and i and i wonder if that happens more often with like younger athletes you know um that are similar to like child actors i don't know what the answer to that is but i know that you like beat that algorithm like you from my perspective, you have always just been motivated. You've always like gone on to the next thing. You know, you're competing in competitions. You don't let stuff get to you, it seems like. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, I think it was like, you know, it's funny you say it in the beginning what you're saying because you'll see a great snowboarding kid. And then, you know, my dad and I have this conversation all the time too. And it's like, okay, well, this kid's got to go through injuries because you have a first major injury, are they scared? Do they want to come back? Girls or boys, depending, you know, it's like, or like they, it's easy. Like I've seen a, a kid get a girlfriend, and then that's his main priority. It's no more snowboarding. It's like the kids in barely in high school. You know what I mean? And then partying and and all that whole scene. Because you know we're definitely we're traveling the world. You go to Europe, and it's not like they're really checking IDs and you can easily do whatever you want. You're with a team manager who, you know, he's doing his thing anyways. So it's easy to fall into that. And what the big thing I see now more, and is, I guess this is also my, more of my old man moment too, is you start seeing people that 
they kind of get into the lifestyle in the sense that like, okay, I'm, I'm get, making maybe a little bit of money. I'm getting all this free stuff. I'm traveling the world. Like this is awesome. And they kind of get lax on their actual snowboarding and don't really care to like push themselves because it's like, yo, I, I'm crushing. Like, I don't like, oh, this is awesome. Like go up there, go through the motions you know, cruise around, but they don't actually keep pushing themselves. Mm -hmm. And you see that with the younger ones, because I mean, the snowboarding lifestyle is great. Like obviously snowboarding every day, all over the world, getting tons of free stuff, making good money. You're like, you know, you're living, but it's, you know, I've also seen kids who have had a great season and then that's it. And it's like, yo, it's, it's a never ending grind because for every one of you, there's freaking 50 more kids that are trying to be a hundred kids trying to be in your position. And they're willing to, there's some of them that are willing to chuck themselves and like really push it. So I, I see that a lot too, is that, um, you kind of get into enjoying, like you got to enjoy it, but like living in the lifestyle and not understanding that it can go away real, real quick. There's not a lot of loyalty in snowboarding. So if you have, you know, a couple you get hurt, you have a couple of bad seasons. It's like that check might stop coming. Mm -hmm. So you always got to push yourself. And I felt like one thing for me is I never really had that major sponsor that was like, yo, Louie's going to be our am that we're really going to pump. And that hurt. That really bugged me, bugged me, bugged me, bugged me. Cause I had friends that would be in contests who like would be on another company, whether it's like Burton and Burton does great stuff with their ams. And they're like, this is our guy. And then they just like blow them up. And then it's like, you're over here and you're like, just kind of taking baby steps. And I remember Billy Anderson, I got on Volcom. I was so stoked. Jeffy Anderson filmed some shots of me in hood. I went up there for a night shoot that Luke Matrani was doing. And I just was riding with him and Jeffy shot some stuff, gave it to Billy and Billy put me on, but I was on, he was one of those people that was just like, it's baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. So I've always was taking each step, but I never had that company like, yo, you were blowing you up. Enjoy this. And it's just like, so I felt like I always had to work so hard for everything that I got. And my dad used to tell me this quote. He used to say, like, if you're good enough, they can't ignore you. So, like, I would just grind because I was like, uh, this person's getting so much love. I'm going to beat this person. I'm going to win this contest. I'm going to win this one. Because I felt like it was so hard for me to get the love or, like, the respect that I thought I was should be getting at the time. And, you know, like, I had a minor threat thanks to Pat Bridges and Snowboarder, but I never had an on deck with Transworld. I never like really got like a lot of that kind of love and like the spotlight coming up. It was like I didn't really get much until I started winning contests, and that was like just because I got the scores. But like, yeah, so it's like Pat gave me a minor threat, which was massive because, you know, I'm looking at like Eric Jackson's getting them, Neil Provo was getting them, mm -hmm. and I got one. Pat Moore got one. And that was like huge, but like I was talking to someone the other day because they said something like about an on deck, and I was like, yeah, I never got an on deck in Transworld, like ever. So it's like I always never felt like I had that person behind me really like pushing me to and like as a from a company standpoint, I was like, you're gonna be our am, we're gonna pump you up, you're gonna be our main focus for amateur riders. I never really felt like I had that. I mean, my first ad that I ever got was with Wendell's, and that was like holy cow my first shot in a magazine I got like that was cool so I have like a very small circle of like people who kind of were there and believed in me and then but it was always like the grind to like prove myself and like to like put my name in that conversation because I never felt like 
it was there on its own. It was always like I had to do something to like where they had to take notice of it because I did it rather than like a little bit of like a hopeful or like the next generation kind of thing. That's how I always looked at it. Mm -hmm. You know, now that you are where you are looking back on all that, are you, are you kind of stoked it turned out that way? Yeah. I mean, I can't complain at all. It's, it's, I think that I have different thoughts on like, from like a contest point of view to like my writing point of view. Or maybe you're not stoked on it. You know, I, no, I'm no, 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 no. I'm stoked. Cause I, I okay. wouldn't change anything. Like it, it fits my upbringing. It fits the way that I, I was raised in the sense of like, every time you're doing something, you know, give it a hundred percent and like, and don't ever quit. And, but also do it because you want to do it and not because you're feel like you're forced to do it or anything. So everything I did was like from like hard work. I mean, I would get like, I'm five, six on a good day. So it's like, even in <laughs> soccer, I did like Olympic development soccer teams. And it was like, I still have people that were like, he's so short. And it's like, okay, I'm playing soccer here. I'm not playing basketball. But I was like, I always felt like whatever I did, I was kind of looked, not looked down, but overlooked in certain aspects because of that. And so like I had it fit like how I was brought up. My dad was raised by a single immigrant mom. So it's like he didn't have a dad because his dad died when he was two. So he did everything like I'm going to prove I can learn to throw a baseball and play baseball even though I don't have a dad. And that's what dads teach their sons to do. And it's like he always had that kind of chip. So I always had that hardworking chip of like proving people wrong. Like, oh, you don't think I can do this? Well, okay, watch me. I'm going to do it. So I, it fits with the way that I was brought up. Um, so I wouldn't change that, but it also, I think it shaped the type of snowboarder that I am. Like who knows if I was like that next gen and had all this love and support, like, I mean, maybe I went into filming more because that would have come, that opportunity would have come up. Whereas like, you know, I got opportunities to film from like Clancy or like Danny Cass or any of those guys, because I was a kind of like a little brother to Danny Cass and Dingo and them. So they looked out for me in that sense, but not like before. I mean, I was grew up in Ohio and went to Stratton Mountain School. I wasn't in Mammoth in like the meccas of where, you know, you had those options. So, I mean, everything kind of fit the way I think it's it's supposed to. Um, and it, I mean, it's always carried with me. Like there's contests where I'm like, how did this run beat me? And it's like, well, that's like the rider's rider. And you're like, what does that even mean? Like his run was, I don't care if he's the rider's rider. Like that was that run better than this run or not. It's mm -hmm. like you, it, it's kind of always fit, but I mean, I like things I've done in snowboarding in the contest side, like I think would be are overlooked that people, if other people did it, it would be a lot bigger of a deal. But to me, it's like, I'm still snowboarding. I've been a pro snowboarder for so long now. I still get to do what I love. And I really, as I got older too, I stopped caring so much about that aspect. And I'm like, okay, I got to do a run. That's so good that judges have to give it to me mm -hmm. regardless if they want to and they want to give it to this kid because he's super core or whatever. I mean, as core as you can be doing contests. But I think it just fits with how I approach everything that I do. Sometimes it would be – I mean, there's definitely frustrating points and frustrating times where you're like, why am I not getting any love for this? But it's like at the same time, I don't do it for that. So that's what I just would have to remind yourself like, you do it because you want to do it. You want to do this run because you want to do it, not because of any other reason. Well, that's something that I think you probably learn as you get older. 
you know, you you realize after all of these different accomplishments and all of these different accolades by the right people that what you're doing is the right path rather than, you know, getting maybe those initial undeserved accolades and then, you know, you burn out early or whatever, right? Yeah. And I mean, I've, I mean, I've created kind of my own lane and my own thing that no matter, you know, it doesn't matter if I did this, this or this in snowboarding, because like, you know, I have a great relationship with Toyota that I've had for, you know, nine, 10 years now. And it's like, it, it does, some of it does go on to my snowboarding and some of it doesn't, it, you know, I, that's what's also, I've been able to get things that are very different than your typical snowboarding. I mean, I had a McDonald's cup, I had a McDonald's bag, a McDonald's commercial, a TD Ameritrade commercial in a deal with them. Like I had all these random things that I wouldn't have gotten if I was like, you know, this rider's rider kind of snowboarder. I, I mean, I did dancing with the stars. Like that, that probably also didn't help my, my core image or anything, but like <laughs> those are things that I looked at. Like my whole goal with snowboarding was always my driving force and my, and the type of person I was always, I will always be a snowboarder, but it's just a, a driving force to get me to other places. I want to be bigger than snowboarding, but bring snowboarding with me. Mm-hmm. So it's like dancing with the stars. If I can bring less than 1% of the 22 million people that were watching the show a week, if I can take less than 1% and introduce them to snowboarding, or maybe they buy a snowboard, like everybody's eating off of that, whether you support me on that show or you don't, but I'm bringing snowboarding to a completely different demographic. It's like watching rugby. You watch rugby by yourself. Nah, it's all right. You watch rugby with somebody from New Zealand or Australia and you're like, you learn about a person and then you're like so invested. So like, you learn about snowboarding from me. Okay. Maybe you're, when you're flipping through the channels, you see snowboarding on, you watch it to see if I'm doing it. Okay. Then, but then you see a profile on, you know, somebody else. Okay. Maybe that person's your favorite snowboarder. That's fine. But I've brought you into snowboarding and then you're buying a snowboard. Maybe you go buy a freaking, I don't know, a, a Capita snowboard. Like I'm not on Capita. I have nothing to do with Capita. Capita doesn't really have many contest riders, but a person buys a Capita, then you're having, Kazu is eaten from that because he's getting a royalty on it. And you're still generating money for the whole industry, whether you're core or a contest rider or whatever you want to call yourself. Like everybody's eaten just from introducing snowboarding to a different demographic and bringing them in. And that's my whole thing is I always wanted to bring more people to snowboarding because it's expensive to do anyways. But the more people that are trying snowboarding, the more money's coming in and the more that everybody's able to keep doing what they love to do by getting a paycheck from a company. Mm -hmm. I liked what you said earlier about things that you've done in competitions being overlooked, even when, you know, other riders have done the same thing and you're trying to analyze, understand why, why that is. But, you know, now that you've been in it for so long, you realize that it's just part of the game. It, It wasn't because that run was actually better. It was because of the image of that person. Yeah, I mean, I see it. Like, there's some runs where you're like, I don't even know how that run's doing this or that, but it's like, they love it. But that, but like, there's runs that, like, I swear, I feel like if I did this one person's runs, I would never get the score that they would get. You know what I mean? Like, they only that person could do that type of run and get that score. And that's the thing that would always be hard because I'm out here like, well, I just chucked myself. And it's like, 
I could have just done this run instead and got, but it's like, I can't do that run because I won't, I won't score because almost in a sense, sometimes it's an expectation. It's like, oh, Louis is going to bring all these doubles. If I didn't do that, then I, they'll be like, well, you didn't do it. So you're going to get a really crappy score. So I see it like that sometimes. And that's like kind of, kind of hard, but then it's like, you know, it is what it is. I did like three years where I was doing a crap ton of contests all year and I only missed a podium maybe once a year for three years. And it's like, but it's like, it, okay, that's not a really a thing that gets talked about. But it's like if somebody else maybe did that same stretch or streak, it'd be like, it'd be a major, they'd probably be up for an award for rider of the year or something. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, yeah. Right, whatever. It kind of sounds like a little bit of what you're saying is that you you aren't given the respect that you're due in a lot of ways. I mean, I think more so I was in some aspects and I wasn't in others, but it was also a motivating factor in my work ethic mm -hmm. because of that. Um, like I wouldn't change, like, again, I wouldn't change anything because I'm so stoked on where my writing is, where I've been, what I've done, all this. It's just, sometimes I think this like, well, okay, well I did that already and it's like if this person does it it's a it's a way bigger deal and but i but i for me like again it comes back to like that's what i've been used to since i was a little kid not even in snowboarding in general it's just like it's always been the grind it's always been that chip on your shoulder and my thing was like i'm not going to get outworked on the hill or off the hill like that's always that mindset that i had and i kind of liked it but because again it's like i say the other analogy i'd be like is if i grew up in utah i grew up in tahoe I don't know if I'd be a professional snowboarder because it would be so accessible. Going snowboarding would be so easy. Having these long seasons and these great resorts would be so easy. But since I grew up in Ohio, I was so thankful every time I got to go snowboarding. I rode a landfill that they turned into a ski resort. I rode my hill looks like a Walmart parking lot because they have orange lights and shadows. But I got to snowboard. I didn't mm -hmm. care where. And same thing. Like if I was – maybe if I was that am that was pumped up at an early age – who knows? I could have been that kid with a big head that went off the party train and never made it in snowboarding. So it's like I do look at things like everything does happen for a reason. And at the end of the day, I still am a pro snowboarder. I've been a pro snowboarder for so long. I've done so many great things and I've had so many different opportunities that might not have been there if I went another route or if I had uh, different publicity or this or that. So it's like I wouldn't change anything. There's just things that I look at now. I'm like, ah, you know, like. If I, if I did this, it would have been like, whatever. If this person does it, it's going to be great. Whether I did it or not, I'm just saying, like, that's how sometimes I view things. But it's like, I think it happens for a reason. And at the end of the day, it, it worked out. And I'm still able to be snowboarding and for a living and traveling and doing what I love to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've had, you've had longevity in the industry for sure. For you as a competitor, because I don't watch competitive snowboarding too often, yeah. but every time I see you on, I do watch it because, you know, I know you and I, I appreciate what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 different though now. I mean, you watch contests now and it's freaking nuts and there's like- Oh, it's insane. There's like new kids all the time and it's wild because there's like, I think there's a kind of a gap right now. And if you look back, it's like, okay, when, when I was competing like really heavily, I mean, you had Sean, you had Danny, you had Lego, you had Mason, you had Kevin, you had Luke. I mean, 
there was such such a mix of riders that like anybody could win. Mm-hmm. Like now there's like I could tell you who's gonna probably do be one and two, maybe one, two and three in any order. It's a little bit now it's like a little bit like there's it's tough snowboarding in half pipe, but you can kind of predict a little bit more and I can predict what each person's gonna bring. Whereas like you know, one weekend Lego might win the event. One weekend Lego doesn't make finals. One weekend I'm on the podium. One week I like am eighth. You know what I mean? It's just like you you never knew then, and you had so. I mean, you had that's just the Americans. I mean, you had Peytu Peronin, you had Kazu. It was just so deep, and everybody had everything. It's just who was going to put it on that day, who was riding well that week. Um, it's it's kind of weird now because it's 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 not predictable, but in a sense, it's predictable. So there are a lot of people out there who are good at competing, but they don't really enjoy competing. Do you enjoy competing? I love competing. I did do tour this year, and as soon as I finished the event, uh, my dad said, "My I was talking to my dad. He goes, let me guess. You wish you were doing U.S. Open?'" I said, "100%." But I already committed to like a month before do tour, maybe two months before do tour. I committed to commentating the Open, uh, which I love to do as well. But I love competing because I love the fact that like you got to do it right then and there. Nobody else is going. Everybody's watching you. It's on right now. But I've been like that. Like I've always liked soccer games more than soccer practice. I always liked the actual big event more. I actually also like almost two runs more than I like three run finals because two run finals, you see a lot more people not put down runs. Whereas three run finals, you can maybe put down a safety, then you have two runs. Or there's it was crazy that I would be interested in like the actual analytics, even if you could go back in time of like what are the like people's percentages because I know riders that like two runs and there's a good chance they're not going to land a run, three runs and they could win the event. Mm-hmm. And but I like two runs because it's like it's on. You get two tries at this. Three, I feel like it's okay. You're you're given getting a few more chances now to put something down. But on the other side. If you don't put one run of three down, then I was like, I remember always just being so pissed. I'm like, gosh, I had three chances and I couldn't even put one down. Yeah. And I was also always a second run kind of person. Like I always felt like, I don't think I really took too many victory laps in my whole career. It was like, okay, down to the wire, last run, you got to put something down or you're going to be in last place. Like, let's go. Yeah. Was there a moment when you either won a competition or maybe it was an ad you had in snowboarder or trans world where you're like, like this is happening. Like I'm, I'm a snowboarder. I'm doing it. Um, I think I remember when I made my first final, that was a big deal. But I think the biggest, like most lasting one was when I went to X games because I grew up watching X games. I mean, I watch, my mom used to tape like, everything i'm talking back when they had shovel racing the whole whole thing and i would just watch it all the time and it didn't matter so when i got to x games and i'm standing at the top of the pipe i remember like literally like holy cow like like i'm here i'm at x games and yeah i kind of shake it out i'm like yo okay i gotta i gotta compete here in a second like i gotta relax like so i think x games was like that just because i grew up watching it and it was such like a big deal to get an invite to X Games and it was so hard and you're with like all these people and I got second in qualifying I think I ended up fifth which was like crazy for me but that was like the big one I mean I was on Red Bull I was sponsored by you know companies but I think like 
being on X Games and is like you're on like ESPN prime time, like that's what people in Ohio would see because like people in Ohio they're not following, you know, the Vans Triple Crown. Like the Triple Crown's cool, but like your friends aren't watching that. People like random people don't watch that. But at X Games, you know, that's what we would watch growing up in Ohio. That was like the mainstream for snowboarding at the time. So that would probably be like the one moment where I was like, holy cow. But it click click like I could do it. I was like, I think I was middle of the pack always in nationals. Seventh grade, I got third in my age group in pipe. And then my first year at Stratton Mountain School, I won my age group. And that was like 2002 Olympics happened. Okay, we swept. Ross Powers won. Um, Ross Powers went to SMS. The guy who coached Ross Powers and growing up was one of my coaches. Then it was like, wow, it's an Olympic sport. I just won nationals. I'm going to the school that Ross Powers went to. And like, he made it like I could do this. And so I think as far as like, I can actually like snowboard for a living was like eighth grade. But then X Games was 06, where it was like, wow, like I'm, I'm at X Games now. Like, this is insane. So in eighth grade, you could kind of see the path. Yeah, just in the sense, I think it more so like, instead of just like snowboarding, it was like, oh, I can like, snowboards like i could do this for a living kind of mm-hmm. thing. like i don't think i really was aware at that time before that really that snowboarding was like a job like you could do it for a living like i just like getting like oh cool i got some sweatshirts from this company like i was just stoked on getting free stuff like yeah i won an event when i was a little kid i won like a year supply of Coors light <laughs> and i like traded it i like traded it for like an oversized like double xl like burton sweater but it was burton so i was like <sighs> this is the sickest, you know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. when I was on Sims, when I was a little kid and the, the team manager for Sims at the time, like he would ask to see my report card from my parents. Like he was so good, but like, I love Mike. I got a Sims t-shirts. I would wear them every day at school. I had a Sims pipe Jersey back when those were a thing. And that was like with my name on the back, like those were my most prized possessions because it was like snowboarding and skateboarding clothing that I didn't buy. And they sent me a package. Like I was like, I love for getting like free stuff was like the cool, like they're going to send me like a snowboard. Oh my gosh. Like I'm not buying this. I like don't have to give it back. Like it is, I'm not demoing it. Like it's mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if the difference between, longevity in the snowboard industry is the difference between the person who gets into it for you know the glory of being a snowboarder and being able to tell people they're a snowboarder or kind of what what you are is someone who just wants to give back to the sport my whole thing like i said was always like like i've had a charity event back in ohio i just did my 16th year um and you know Actually, it's crazy about giving real quick about giving back is Dylan Alito. I read an article about Dylan Alito and he was doing some stuff, giving part of his board sales, giving back. But I think there's like it's I think you got to have both of like wanting to be the best and caring about your own snowboarding, but also giving back. Because at the end of the day, like the people that are supporting you, like the people that are your fans, they they're supporting you in brands and snowboarding. And to be a good person to them because that Jeremy Jones and JP Walker, I mean, that's a whole nother story of those guys, how they treated me when I was a little kid that like opened my eyes up and I'll forever be in their debt and thankful for them. But 
Um, I think it's cool because you also got to give back. You're on a platform, and it's not might not be the NFL or the NBA, but you have a platform too, and you have the ability to really help uh, less fortunate. Or it could be giving your time. It could be giving money. It could be you know giving somebody some snowboarding gear. And I think it's like that's really important. And I I think it's cool that brands are doing that in a bigger scale too. Like Burton with their Chill Foundation, Sal Masakela has his foundation. Kevin Pierce, who, you know, he had that horrible accident, but he turned it into something that's really, you know, bringing awareness and doing all that. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to, to not only represent your brands on a, and yourself in a good light, but also maybe affect somebody else and help change somebody else and give them motivation and positivity on a personal level, because we're very accessible. Like when you go to a contest, you can go meet any snowboarder you want. Mm-hmm. It's not like you want to go meet Sean White, go to the event he's at. And there's probably a good chance you can go get a picture with him. So I think it's like that stuff, like being able to give back is, is so great. And it's like something that you never thought snowboarding, you snowboarding would put you in a position to like have an impact like that. I don't know if I just, if I answered that or not, but it was kind of a long winded answer for you. No, no, that's great. I think that, um, what I keep thinking about is if if we're on the right path and we can kind of read the signs and we are open to suggestions in the world, the universe kind of speaks to you, right? And it seems like you're on that path. And to be able to look back on the things that you've accomplished and the things that you've done, you are at a place right now where you appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it's... You kind of learn, like, you, you, I mean, snowboarding is one of those sports that, like, you can, you can get seriously wrecked. You can die. I mean, you can die doing anything, but, like, there's a lot of things that every day you put yourself through, and to, to kind of be standing at the end and have these different experiences of, and visiting different cultures and meeting different people and, um, you know, having people that really say, like, oh, I love watching you snowboard. Your snowboarding motivated me to do this or that. It's like, it's kind of crazy. Like you think at the end of the day, like I've never really thought that people would want to get my autograph or my picture because I, at the end of the day, I just snowboard. And it's like, I always get people like, oh, or, like you'd be doing a signing somewhere. Like, are you famous? Like, I don't know. Like, am I? This just depends on what you think is famous. I'm not a Kardashian, but it's like, but I snowboard. If you're really into snowboarding, then you might know who I am. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if we talk about Dancing with the Stars? Yeah, dude, we talk about I talk about anything, man. Okay, right on. Um how did that come about? Um well, so I I had an offer to do this interview um for Dance with the Stars. It came up through like another agent friend of mine and they were like, "We just do this interview. They're looking for someone that kind of fits your thing." So I was like, "Sure, for me." I'm like, "I never watched it." My parents watched it, and it was, like, really big at the time. So I was like, yeah, hey, I'll do an interview. And I just tore my meniscus, and I was like, well, at least this is my excuse that if they ask me to dance, I, can, my, I can't even bend my knee right now. But, okay, I'll do it. So I did the interview, and it was like, I went well. I was really cool. And I was like, they'll probably see if I make the Olympics or whatever. And then they called me, like, uh, I think they called me, I was in the spring. They called me, like, midsummer or no they call i forget i didn't make the next season but then right after they're like hey do you want to do this fall season and i was like holy cow like this is in front of me so i remember my dad said like don't say no like until it's like for real 
because why say no? You got to like at least hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of did it. And then it was like, wow, this is actually real. So I think I called like a couple of my sponsors. I think I called like Nike. Uh, wait, I was on Nike. I don't even know if I was on Nike yet. Whatever. Anyways, I called Todd Richards with somebody and I called a couple people and like, what do you think? And they're like, yeah, you know, do it. And Todd kind of taught me, you know, like just have fun with it. Don't be too serious. Don't make like have fun, make fun of yourself. So I ended up just doing it. I never, I watched like Floyd Mayweather, like on YouTube, do it. I watched like Master P do it. So I was like, ah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I, it was like, I was not ready for what that was bringing because that was like, I mean, I went from just being a snowboarder to like, like I said, the number one show in the U.S., like 22 million people watching the show. It was like crazy different than snowboarding. So you went from being a maybe celebrity as a snowboarder to definitely a celebrity. Yeah, I mean, it was like you could snowboard and whatever. Maybe people would meet, see you at the mountain, but like to like walking in L.A. and every party you went to, they wanted to interview you about something and it was just like full on. I mean, just never had to deal with paparazzi or any of that stuff. And then it's like, you're on this show. It's like, you could do this for free, this for free. We need you to go to this party and this party. And then you need to do this, this, and this. And then you got practice. And then we have this red carpet you need to do. And you're like, I don't even know what any of this stuff is. Like, what is going on here? What did you think about all that? Um, It was like, it was a learning experience it was i was 21 i think at the time 20 21 21 i think i was so it was like holy cow like this is insane like i was uh I, my thing that i always say to, i say this to people because it's so true it's like i'm wearing clothes that i would never wear on halloween i'm doing a dance that i have no confidence in that i don't really know what i'm doing i'm doing it in front of a live audience live judges 22 million people at home i'm like you can't get further out of your comfort zone than that. So when I went back to snowboarding, I was like, this is easy. I'm doing what I know how to do. I know what the judges want to see. I'm wearing what I want to wear. Like Dancing with the Stars, they introduce you. That music plays, you're going. You have to cough. You have to sneeze. You're going. It doesn't matter. They're not like, hold on, snowboarding, you're on live TV. Okay, Lou, you're good to drop. You go to your spot, tighten your bindings, take a deep breath, do the sign of the cross. Then you can go whenever you're ready. But Dancing with the Stars, it's on like right then and there but it made snowboarding easier. Like I went to the Olympics right after and it was like, no, I wasn't even nervous. Like it was like, all right, this is like, I'm here. I'm good to go. Like, let's do this. But I also did dance with the stars in the Olympics. Like Twitter was brand new. So there wasn't that whole social media aspect either. Um, but it was like, I built a lot of my fan base from, from dance with the stars because like Twitter was brand new. So I have like I still have probably grandmas or moms that follow me because they like me on Dance with the Stars, not because of snowboarding. And I used to play that game. I'd get stopped different places. My dad and I would be like, Dancing with the Stars or snowboarding, and we'd guess how they knew me. And it was kind of like would blow our mind. We'd get like an older lady, and she'd know me from snowboarding. You're like, I thought for sure she was Dancing with the Stars. But <laughs> it opened up a lot of doors for me, but it also opened up like, um, I don't want to say my mind, but it, it taught me a lot like how to deal with different like nerves and pressure and stuff like that. Because like doing a dance where you're like, you have to learn this in a certain amount of days, there's no questions asked or you're going to embarrass yourself in on live TV. And like, how do I deal with my frustration snowboarding? I can't get a trick. I move on. I take a breather. I go in for lunch. I go take a lap. Dancing is like, you are in that studio until you got it right. So like mm -hmm. you're getting frustrated. You had to learn how to, you know, really get rid of that frustration 
and breathe. What was the most nerve wracking experience you had on that show? Um, I think the most nerve wracking and also somewhat of like a difficult one was like, we had to do a two step and they've never done a two step on dance for the stars. And I remember my partner and I, she got in contact with like the world champion two step guy. And he like taught us, helped us put together the routine, everything. And we did that routine. I don't even think it's called a routine, whatever it's called, dance. <laughs> and we got absolutely destroyed by the judges because it was a two step is a boring ass dance. Like it's so boring. But we did a true two step. Now, the other people, they were adding swing dancing. They like really like, yeah, it was kind of a two step, but it was like a two step hybrid mixed with a bunch of more exciting dances. And we got ripped. And it was so embarrassing because it was so bad. My outfit was bad. Everything was bad. But it was like we did it the right way and we got ripped. And it's like one of those things where you just smile and take it from the judges. Because I remember my mom, she would watch. She's like, just smile. They're going to rip you. Just smile. Because if you talk back, it's going to come off horrible. So I remember just taking it and being like, we were the only ones who did this right. Like, And we look like such idiots right now on TV. And you're like, oh, my God gosh this is horrible but it smile and take it because it's like if i complain i'm gonna look like a little baby about it and but it was like that was really hard and and really really embarrassing (laughs) i wonder if there's some uh correlation between you said that you guys did the two-step correctly but then your dance kind of got panned did that seem at all similar to when you do a run you know say a perfect run in your opinion in pipe and then you see someone do something else that's not that great or less than and they get a better score and you're like if i did that run i would have gotten shit on um i think it's the differences is like snowboarding's your world and you have next week there's another contest and we say in snowboarding you know sometimes you get the elevator sometimes you get the shaft but in dancing with the stars it's like you only have X amount of weeks and you could go home because of that dance. Like there's the voting off whole aspect of it, Mm -hmm. but you're also not like the way I look at it. I'm not like a dancer. I'm like just another person trying to learn this. And it's like, it's easy to heckle and ridicule me from sitting at home. But in snowboarding, it's like, like no one sitting at home to be like, I could do that better than him. It's like, eh, you can't snowboard. You can't do it. Whereas like, I think like it's, it's harder to like ridicule people in the mass mainstream, but like dance with stars, like you're worried about getting kicked off that week mm-hmm. in snowboarding. It's like, we said, you get the elevator, you get the shaft. Okay. I got the shaft this week. There's contests that I won for sure that like, I probably got hooked up a little bit. I mean, this is like, this is the way it is. Like there's contests that I'm like, I can't believe I won that event. Like so-and-so's run was insane, but you get hooked up. I mean, it's just kind of like, it evens itself out over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, even like with the other runs, like that I was saying earlier, it's like, that person will get hooked up on their run sometimes. Sometimes they don't. But either way, it's like they could, they're the only ones who could do it. But that's their thing. Like I had my thing. I was a really technical rider. I never went, went really big. So there are some times where I got hooked up for being super technical. And some people that maybe not have been as technical but went bigger didn't get hooked up that week. And it switches other times. I mean, snowboarding, I feel like it evens out. But you always have next week. We were doing so many contests. It's like every weekend there was an event. And every weekend it was a big event. 
But Dance for the Stars, it's like, this could be your last week, and then you're definitely not doing anything. Yeah. And at the same time you were on Dancing with the Stars, you were also training for the Olympics, correct? Uh, Yeah. I. Uh, it's funny because I actually had one coach that was like, I think he said in some, he was quoted somewhere saying that I should be focusing more on snowboarding. But, you know, I spent a lot of time in New Zealand. I actually went to Dancing with the Stars late because I was in New Zealand and I got like, this is when the double corks were like brand new and I got one there and it was good. It was good for me to take a break. Um, I was in New Zealand for so long. I was in hood for so long. I was riding so much and it was kind of good to kind of take my mind off everything. And at the end of the day, I like, I didn't snowboard when I was doing Dance with the Stars. I was just doing that because it took up all my time. And it worked out. I made the Olympics, and I did pretty well, like, as far as, like, making the qualifier. I mean, I think I had, like, a two seconds and a third out of the four or five, five qualifiers. So it worked out, but there's definitely people who were like, he should be focusing on on snowboarding if he really was serious about it. And, you know, I kind of just went with my gut and what I thought, and I knew my I knew my the way that I worked and the work that I've already put in and what I would need to do when I, you know, when the early season came. Mm-hmm. I feel like I read something about how you recently got back into the snowboard competition circuit. Is that true? Well, I never took a full year off. I did one event last year and last year was supposed to be a training year. And somehow I didn't end up riding that much half pipe. And then I hurt my ankle and I was in a boot for a little bit. And so like mammoth finals was like my sixth day in the pipe and I still got a top 10. This year I did do tour and did pretty well. Uh, I did okay. I didn't do it. I mean, I was happy, but I was like some unfortunate things <laughs> in my riding. But uh, I just did like one event last year, one event this year. Um, I was just like, I my sponsors are really cool. They've support me so much and they don't are not tripping. Like you need to do five contests. So it's good for me because I felt like, especially in 2014, like my runs were just too predictable and they knew what to expect. And I didn't really feel like, I was getting a lot of love, and so I looked. You know, Sean was a great example. Sean comes in, does a couple contests, dips out, and you don't know what he's been working on, what he's doing, because you don't see him every single week. And and it's also like I'm I'm 31 now, and it's like I'm saving my body a little bit too. And you know, I've I've had a blown disc pretty much in my back for I don't know eight years, six years now, and it's like I have a tear in one, a bulge in one. I rode with a broken back. I mean, so it's nice to kind of, you know, really, if you're sore, take some time off. Okay, mm-hmm. go back to riding rather than like feeling like you have to go to every event because I don't have to do that anymore. So I have a hypothetical question for you. Okay. If you weren't snowboarding, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, you know, I used to have the easy stock answer like, I would be going to school. But now that I'm also <laughs> 31 now, I can't really say that. Um it's really hard to say what I would be doing. Um, I'd maybe, I maybe I'd be following my dad's footsteps and be in radio or some kind of communications. I would think it's so hard to say now because I've been so influenced through snowboarding. Like to be like, I'd be in marketing because, um, you know, I love marketing now because that's what you constantly have to do with your own brand. Um, I don't know what I would be doing as far like my my passions definitely have changed in this outside of snowboarding sense so if i had snowboarding experience it'd probably be some kind of marketing um position uh but oh that, that's like why it's hard it used to be easier when you weren't so influenced in snowboarding have been around and seen so much stuff but i would say probably marketing that's pretty fun stuff would it be marketing within snowboarding like for a brand um no i think it'd be 
more of a mainstream brand. And then uh, with, you know, like getting other sports involved than just snowboarding or just doing typical modeling and Instagram, like how can we be different? How can we be out of the box? Because that's kind of how I've looked at my snowboarding, like do stuff out of the box that's not the norm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have one more question for you. All right. So throughout this conversation, we've been talking a lot about your successes and accomplishments. In your mind, what do you think has been your most rewarding accomplishment? Ooh. I think like rewarding to myself would be, you know, going to the Olympics and having my grandparents there, having my cousins and family there uh, because they didn't care, you know, they'll always be there anyways, but to have them in the stands at the Olympics is like stands in the Olympics is pretty insane and representing your country is really insane. That's like a personal one. But I think like being in a position to do any kind of charity stuff, my charity rail jam and having people for 16 years come out and support that and not have like a downfall, whether the mountains open, the mountains close, it's raining, it's snowing, it's hot, it's cold. Like every year people come and support it. Having, um, people kind of see your vision and supporting it, like sponsors outside of snowboarding, whether it's money or families coming that don't even snowboard that just want to support. That's really cool to have that kind of juice. And then like, I think too, just getting it, having people like actually ask you for advice, like I think's awesome because they value what you have to say, but they've seen what you've done and they really respect it. And that to me is like, you can't take that away. And, and then anytime you get like, you know, a little kid's parent says, Oh, thank you so much for being so nice to my kid. And you don't even know who their kid is, but mm -hmm. just the fact that like you're naturally doing that. I think those are like, as far as like big picture rewarding. Uh, so those are the two, because there is like my personal one. And then there's like the one that's like insane. I never thought I'd be in this position or like people wanting you to come to their charity event because you bring some kind of juice to it. Like, that's cool. Like, wow. Like <laughs> I just started out snowboarding and like a kid in Ohio just thought it was fun. If you were to give some advice right now to a, an up and coming snowboarder that might be listening, what would you say? Do you have fun and don't listen to anybody else, but you gotta, you gotta push yourself and you gotta like understand there's going to be times where it's not, I can't believe I got hurt. And it's like, well, I knew it would come, but really also take care of your body because it's so easy to, I feel great and I'm going to go do this, but understand that like you get hurt, you go into surgery healthy and in shape that you'll be able to bounce back faster. But also the main thing is just don't care about it. Like do the snowboarding that makes you happy, do it the way that makes you happy. And, and then hard work. I mean, those are like the, the ones I would say, because I think that makes a big thing is that you just do you and you'll stay authentic to yourself. It comes off as authentic. You're not fake, but I think it shows in your snowboarding and you'll progress faster than if you try to be somebody you're not or try to fit in or try to do something because that's the cool way to do it. Just do you at the end of the day. Yeah, that's great. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, man, I'm stoked to be able to be on here with you. It's an honor. So thank you so much. I was honestly, I did feel, I was like, oh, hell yeah. He wants me to be on his podcast. I'm down. So uh, yeah, hopefully people enjoy. For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, 
go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. 